Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have with us here today Mr. Danny Lee. Danny is a member of the U.S. firm. He's a principal in the organization. He's one of the firm experts on the topic of cybersecurity and also one of the thought leaders and one of the very experienced consultants we have in the automotive industry. And given that background, what we're going to talk about with Danny here today Today is autonomous vehicles. So, Danny, thanks for joining us here today on this edition of Advice Worth Keeping. Terrific. Looking forward to the discussion. So, Danny, you and I have had a lot of discussions leading up to this podcast, and this is obviously a very big and very interesting topic, and it's a little bit broader than some of the ones we talk about at KPMG in that it's very consumer-focused. Some people out in our listener base today already have autonomous or semi-autonomous vehicles. It's a, a very big deal in the news. We have startups like Tesla. We have traditional firms such as General Motors that are pursuing this. It's happening with personal vehicles. It's happening with fleet. We've heard about the wonders of it. We've heard about some of the potential dangers of it from, you know, run amok autonomous vehicles to potential for someone's car to get hacked. So we've heard the good, the bad, the ugly. But I think in many cases, we're hearing all of this information at a very high level. I think what we'd like to do today, Danny, is hear from you on how our listeners, both from the consumer perspective, but also as a business professional, how should they approach this topic, this market, this set of technologies? What are some of the dimensions or frameworks they should consider to kind of get their arms around this in a structured way? And then maybe once we go through that, we could talk about, you know, what are some of the benefits of this, some of the opportunities, but what are some of the challenges and risks? But I think it would be very helpful to get your perspective on how to really frame or view this very interesting and very big and important topic. Well, thanks again for giving me the opportunity to share some of my thoughts here. I think, you know, when we look at a car, there's a lot of passion and energy around it. It reflects who we are. We enjoy it. There's an experience. It's a brand. And it's a very personal thing in terms of who we are and, and what we're experiencing and joy of driving a car and mobility. In addition to that, there's this bit about the car being safe, being advanced technology, having the ability to put your family in there and travel from A to B in comfort. So there's this physical feeling also, not just this image, but a physical feeling. And then when you look at the automotive industry itself, when you go into that, you realize it's actually a very, very large piece of pie. This is significant percentage of many GDPs in the world. And if you look at the automotive industry, they're selling potentially over 100 million cars worldwide every year. It's a multi-trillion dollar industry with a very mature and expanding complex ecosystem of different OEMs, suppliers, service providers, financial services, real estate parking lots. Everybody's in on this business. So there's a lot at stake here. As we look at this next transition where we're moving from me driving the car and the car driving itself, the first question is cybersecurity. You can come at it a lot of ways, but really it boils down to cybersecurity. How do I know the car is going to keep us safe? And the way I approach it and the way the firm approaches it is around three major sort of constituents, if you will. The first one is public safety. You've got this vehicle, this big 3,000-pound metal device 
flying through the street, how do we make sure that it's safe and not used in harmful ways? So there's a lot of people in that discussion. Regulators, OEMs, consumers, insurance, so everybody's in that conversation. Cybersecurity, can the car really manage itself? Can the car detect dangers on the street? This is all a part of that. Can someone hack the car? The second area is car itself internally. It's more of a business-to-business view because, as you know, a car is not really made by one company. It's made hundreds of companies working together in collaboration, each having their own intellectual property that makes them special and working collaboration to give the car, the user, and everybody that cohesive experience. What's going on with the airbags? What's going on with the tire pressure? What's going on with the lighting? What's going on with maps, music, air conditioning? So all of these devices in the car are made by different manufacturers, but they also have to work together too. And when they work together, are they secure? Can each unit within the car trust the other components within the car for the right data that they're being given and the right reaction that they're going to take on that? This is a very important part of the security and controls within the actual vehicle itself and all the various participants in putting that car together. And by the way, it's not just hardware manufacturer, right? Today, you have a lot of software as well as real-time service providers participating with that car all the time. It's a pretty large ecosystem in that population. And the last thing is, but not least, really is this whole transformative experience of the car. And we see some of the visionary presentation of this where you get in the car, you look forward, and then you turn this captain's chair around, and now all passengers are looking at each other. The car continues. Maybe there's even a movie playing, and you actually have an experience inside the car versus even worrying about where you're going or what you're doing. This ability to have personalization that goes into the car, this ability to actually consume media when you're in the car, and having the car not just as a mobility or movement or transport, but actually an experience, almost a destination in itself. There's all these services that are being enabled to make that happen. When you buy a video, when you want to have the comfort in the car with your family, all the mappings, all the purchases that may be occurring in that car, that personalization comes at a price. We have to give the car our personal information so that it can personalize that experience to us and, in fact, drive a better experience every time. So that is a huge privacy issue. We see that today in the news. Many countries are moving towards that. This experiential bit is quite important in the car. So those are the three areas, public safety, security in the car, and the personal experience. I think that's a very good way to break it up. And before we move on, I just have one question going back to the second point, And you highlight, and in some respects, this is nothing new, but you highlight all of the different vendors, providers that come together to collectively provide for the construction of an autonomous vehicle. And that's not anything new. But from a liability issue, since that's a very important topic with autonomous vehicles, do you think the rules of the road from an insurance standpoint or from a liability standpoint or from the standpoint of the user of the vehicle being protected as necessary, that will be similar to what we've seen historically or given the fact that 
not only now are we providing parts, but we're providing a lot of software that makes those parts work, but there could be some changes at it. Did you see that the industry and the manufacturers of these vehicles are adequately addressing this? Are there going to be any delays due to some of the liability or the regulatory issues, or are they being worked through from your perspective in an adequate fashion given their complexity, or is that going to be a big holdup for some of this? Wow, well, that's a very big question, and frankly, a lot of the people in the circle are debating that ongoing, and suffice it to say, it's not just disruptive and transformative, but it is, I don't even know what's the word that's more disruptive than disruptive. Today, when you look at a vehicle, you know, when a manufacturer goes through and invests all that R&D and IP to create the car, there's a certain life of the car that they're spreading that cost across, as well as trying to achieve the revenue. And there's a certain loss ratio that insurance companies, financial services, banks, so forth, are tied into to understand how to finance and protect that asset and the users and the experience of that asset. That's been there for a long, long time. But that's changing very rapidly. When I'm not driving the car, why do I need insurance? I don't buy flyer insurance when I get on airplanes, at least not for the actual pilot experience. I may have a travel insurance. So why do I need driver's insurance anymore? So these are questions that are being asked in the industry. And if that's the case, then do we move from personal insurance to product warranty? And how does that work? What does that shift mean? Well, it could very well mean a higher price in the product. So opposed to me buying a car at X amount and then not really adding in the insurance cost, seeing that as a different cost for me, the product still needs insurance of some way. Now it's being put into the product, but it's at scale. So maybe it's a little cheaper, maybe not. But then you also have all of these other participants in that ecosystem that are actually going to be liable, potentially, for services they're rendering as a part of that driving experience, whether it's, again, radar sensors, air conditioning, door locks, seatbelts, all of these various players in that ecosystem may have to take on some liability. That changes the economics of this business. So I think there's a lot there. In addition to that, as I said, it's the financial services of financing the car. It's a financial services industry of insuring the car. And so we see right there that service providers, manufacturers, financial services, everybody is a part of that discussion of disruption. Now, there's several other new participants that may get in on that. You talk about the passenger safety, public safety issue. Well, the government has something to say about that. And the government is also very entrepreneurial. They may want a commercially viable business model that they get in on that to manage either the infrastructure that enables autonomous driving and with new energy, with electric vehicles, roads have to be financed somehow, not by gas. And so there's other players that start to get into this conversation and start to want their share of the revenue model and they may want to figure out how they monetize that experience or that mobility that you have. I think that's a very good and understandable explanation of a highly complex topic. But I think what it also illustrated is that if you look at some of the elements of the three dimensions you described, there's obviously a lot of uh, opportunities associated with them or created by them. And then there are challenges and risks. Certainly one player in this universe is opportunity, another one's risk. So when you talk about product liability versus traditional auto insurance, that's an opportunity perhaps for the user of the vehicle, and that could be a risk or a challenge to those that have traditionally sold property and casualty insurance. So maybe to go back to those three points, if you could uh, help us understand what are some of the opportunities and risks 
for each of those and how those are being addressed in the market? Well, that's a great question because KPMG is a firm. We're very rooted in that cost-benefit or maybe more specifically, as you pointed out, risk-opportunity equation. As the risks increase, you need to recognize whether or not it's sufficient opportunity to cover that risk. So we don't do risk merely for itself in this occasion. We want to balance both of that. When we look at our clients that are trying to deal with this disruption and rethinking their future business model and where their target operating model all the way down to do they need to move to a real-time monitoring service and charge subscription to their customers or their OEMs for monitoring the security of a vehicle, which there are service providers coming out in that sense. It's a change of security and control as a defense discussion into an opportunity or a revenue discussion. And we see that happening in all areas of the ecosystem. OEMs recognize that when you sit in a car that has a particular brand, if something goes wrong, It doesn't matter if the satellite system, if the radio system, or if the seatbelts weren't working, it's still the OEM's brand. And so how do these OEMs protect that brand? Maybe it's real-time monitoring. Maybe it's an added service that they need to have, which previously for many OEMs, it's about creating the IP and the R&D and then eventually moving to the dealer networks and managing the dealer networks, incentivizing the dealer networks. Now it's really online, real-time, always-on monitoring. And do you do that in-house? Do you aggregate that with someone else? These are big questions that have to be answered, and they have an impact on brand. They have an impact on revenue models. There are OEMs have taken on the idea that, you know what, the car is really not the sales point. It's actually the subscription. The services is the sale point. So there are small players out there that are trying to revolutionize the business model and think about creating a platform that will allow for subscription-based mobility. And that hasn't proven itself out yet, but there are people dabbling in that. You're right. There is a discussion of where the opportunities and risks are. What we do is we really look at our clients in two ways, and that is what are the strengths, and if you will, even the SWAT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, what are the strengths that the business is standing on today, and how does that apply in potentially the future, and what's that vision of the future? And two is what are the weaknesses of today that could potentially prevent them from achieving that future vision. This is a bit of hard work in terms of gathering enough data to support such assumptions. And we work extensively with service providers, financial services organizations, OEMs, not just industrial manufacturing, but also in the tech industry because there's a lot of tech companies moving into this space. And we have to really analyze the data that's out in the market, understand what aligns to the strengths and the culture of the organization to allow them to achieve that either transformation, evolution, or that disruption. Well, that wraps up part one of this two-part podcast series. Join us in part two when we continue the discussion on autonomous vehicles, their impact on the broader transportation ecosystem, and also address cybersecurity as well as the overall risks and opportunities associated with these vehicles. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.